I wish I had gone to therapy when I was younger. I wish it was suggested to me when I was younger, but like you said back then, nobody really talked about it. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Priori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am your host, Daniel Priori, and today I am joined by licensed therapist who has helped people who are struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. That's what I have, so you're going to have to help me out today, too. And also, she is a former anxiety sufferer. I am joined by Hallie Astro. We were talking about it's... um. <laughs> first of all, her last name's Ostro. So just so you guys know, but we were talking about yeah. how people butcher our last names. My last name is Priori, and people are always like Lopriore, 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 and I'm just like, it's Priori. So first question I have for you is, growing up, were you kind of prone to anxiety? Did you kind of know what it was, or was it something like as you were growing up, you kind of just accepted as like... Oh, I'm just like a teenager and I'm a kid and like things in my body and my life are changing. What was it like for you in terms of, you know, actually identifying what was going on when you were little? Yeah. So when I was younger, I mean, I struggled with my anxiety my entire life. You know, looking back on it as an adult, I realized I was struggling with it for as long as I could remember. But at the time, I didn't really, I didn't really know it was anxiety, at least when I was like young, young, you know, when I was a teenager, I started kind of understanding it a little bit more, but I just sort of thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't know. And I couldn't really talk to anybody about it because I didn't really know anyone that was struggling with anxiety, let alone, you know, knowing that that's what I was struggling with. And when I was really young, like one of the first memories I have is going into my mom's room, you know, my parents' room and saying like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Like I had extreme Mm, death anxiety and I had no idea at the time. I just remember feeling like really scared. And, you know, my mom would try to comfort me and say, no, you're going to, you know, you're not going to die right now. You're going to live till you're like 90, hundred years old. You know, she, she used to say stuff like that to me, but at that time I was struggling really bad. Like I was constantly thinking about death and I was so afraid of it at the time. I feel like I, I had a phase like that too. So when, when you said that, like you were thinking of death, like, were you thinking of death, like from like being sick or like just something like happening to you, like final destination esque? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, maybe it was like a final destination. Like I, I felt like death was just right on the horizon for me and I didn't have any health issues at the time. Mm. So it wasn't like I was dealing with some sort of like health issue or medical issue. And that's how I knew I was later on in life. I realized it was like a combination of health anxiety and death anxiety. So I think it was just 
I was constantly thinking about it and worried about it happening at any point in time. So where, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Philly, actually. What was life like growing up in Philly, though? I think Philly is such an underrated city. I think Philly gets a lot of shit. It does. You know, for, for certain things. But I think Philadelphia is a really cool city. What I wanted to ask, though, too, is as you gradually got like older, at what point like during your childhood, were you one of those kids that like knew what they wanted to do their whole life? Because I'd be super jealous if you were one of those kids. I didn't really know that I wanted to be a therapist. I think I just knew that I wanted to help people in some way, you know? So I was like, you know, growing up, I considered myself being like, I was a the good listener. Like I was a good listener to my friends, you know, and they would come to me, they would talk to me about things that were going on. And they would tell me that I was a good listener, that I helped them, you know, figure stuff out, whatever was going on. So I knew that I wanted to help people. I didn't know, like, I want to be a therapist. And like, this is exactly what I want to do. Because when I went to college, I picked my major and it was psychology. And the reason I picked it was because I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. Like, I just kind of want to learn that. It's cool. Like, that was it. I had no idea what I'd be doing, you know, afterwards. I was just like, you know, you're 18 years old. You're like, I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life, but we'll see where this takes me. So psych, you go into college, you're like, this looks cool. Gonna do it. At what point were you like, fully enamored with it would you say like after freshman year sophomore year because like i feel like i mean i do have two years of community college under my belt so i consider myself a very intelligent man yes yeah for me my psych 101 class was like the greatest class i ever took in college yeah because then you kind of really start to realize like how things work and psych 101 is like a lot of freud right So, you know, so like I did psych 102 after that to like kind of see a little more like after it. If I could go back, I would have loved to do some kind of psychology. But I said, you know, just comedies is where I'm going to go. It's a lot easier. You don't need a degree. But for you to become a licensed therapist, how many years of school do you have to do? Oh, God, you have to do six years of school. So you have to get like your bachelor's degree and then you have to get your master's degree, you know, bachelor's degree, four years master's degrees two years and then on top of that you have to take multiple licensing exams and you have to do like so much work you have to get supervision for like two plus years after you graduate before you can become like fully licensed and it's a lot of work I had no idea I was just like this this is a lot of work it was way more than I even thought it would be like if you were to switch a state, you ha- you kind of have to, do you have to re-license in a state like every time you switch? You have to get individually licensed in each state. So they make it really difficult. You know, they don't have like a national licensure, which is ridiculous. I have a bone to pick with that because I'm yeah, not. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's like each state has their own licensure rules and regulations and there's no real like reciprocity between two states so if you want to get licensed in another state you don't have to take the exam again but you have to apply to get licensed and some states are like oh well you need x amount of years of experience in order to license in our state but in this state you're licensed and it's okay but it's like and then it's all money you know you have to pay licensure fees and like doing all that stuff which is ridiculous because 
I'll have people reaching out to me wanting therapy, but they live in like Texas or yeah, Ohio or something. And I'm like, I can't work with you. And I hate paying it. out of pocket, baby. I know. paying out of pocket. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's the hard thing too. For, you know, for some, t- I tell people all the time on the show, do whatever you d- can do to get health insurance. You have to do whatever you can to get health insurance because you start paying out of pocket, you're going to be really depressed. Tell people that all the time. What specific challenges do you think you kind of faced? You know, when it comes to like dealing with anxiety and also, you know, the challenges, like how were you facing them? Because I feel like men and women handle anxiety differently, you know? So I I do think that there is, you know, because at men, we have that stigma of like, we have to be tough. We have to be providers. We can't be depressed because if you're depressed and you're sad, you're a wuss and all that stuff. But I always try to see what it's like from the female perspective. What's the hardest thing and what kind of challenges did you face like just as a woman struggling with anxiety? Well, I think like, you know, there's stigma, you know, I I agree. There's like stigma on both ends too, you know, with both men and women. And the stigma, I think like, you know, being a female is just being a woman. It's like, you're, you're hysterical, right? Like you're stopping so dramatic, stop being hysterical. You're just being like neurotic and a lot of things like that, you you know, you'd get a lot of stigma, a lot of comments related to that because it's like, you know, Oh, oh, she's just on her period, (laughs) you know, right. right. Drama, drama, just drama. Yeah. Don't, you don't want to deal with her. Like, is she on her period? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like, what is she like she's crazy you know that listen you said it not me so you know what i mean that's it that's all yeah it's it's so frustrating because it's like i mean women do have to deal with a lot you know of hormonal issues around that time of the month it's very difficult but on top of that you can have anxiety and struggle with anxiety and your anxiety can actually get worse around that time of the month but you know it feels like people don't take it seriously they're like oh just stop being hormonal like get over it the craziest thing about the period is that you have to go to work i know oh my god i know doesn't make any sense like wow. I, listen i'm a dude right if any blood was coming from anywhere <laughs> i'm taking the week off i don't care what anybody says and they probably let me yeah they oh, think yeah. About it, they'd be like oh you know like he's got some stuff going on you know so i feel that if you have a period, you should be at least able to get one to two days off that week. I agree. I'm so glad you said that. That that needs to happen. Yeah. Why it's not? Like, why should someone have to work while having to deal with that? Doesn't make any sense. And you can't. It's it's like you like physically. I mean, not this doesn't happen to everyone, but you're like you're hunched over in pain, like physical pain, like it's it feels like somebody's stabbing your you know uterus like just it never make it never made any sense to me like you go to work all week with that yeah that's horrendous it's awful and it's every single month well you know usually for some people it's a little more sporadic but still it's, it's like you're just expected to show up to work and do what you have to do and i think that i think the yeah, like women have to deal with that where they're just expected to sort of tolerate the pain and tolerate yeah. all of that and just push through it and do what you got to do. See, like, again, though, too, like you said, you can get very emotional. I'm sure, like, your anxiety can get triggered more, too, and you're just all over the place. Period's a roller coaster. Yeah. It's wild. But 
to even handling like we talked about, like obviously not going to work for the week We're for people that like struggle with anxiety at work, because I feel like work is a lot is very tied in with how people actually get triggered. A lot of people have triggers just from going to work where their anxiety gets the worst. How could some people deal with work anxiety? Like while they're at work? While they're at work. Yeah. uh, Yeah. People get anxiety at work or maybe they even have panic attacks at work. I mean, oh yeah, that's that can definitely happen. It's just overwhelming and you're trying to just get through the day. So I think being able to really take a break when you can is super important. Like if you need to go in the bathroom and just have a breather, do that. If you can physically walk outside of your office for a minute, do that, you know? I think that's what you need to do because if it's like we have to work through and we have to push through it, like, yeah, we can. But also if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can give yourself a break too. get some fresh air, drink some water, go, go to the bathroom, you know, and come back whenever you need to. But I think, listen, no, I love taking bathroom breaks. I tell people all the time, if you're having a hard day at work, just fucking get out of there. Yeah. Just, and if your boss isn't cool with it, he's not a cool boss. Or she's not a cool boss, whoever. Right. It's one of those things. Are there like any like practical tips and like strategies that people listening to the show can use to possibly help combat their anxiety or even just help get them through either a minor and or major panic attack? Yeah, that's that's a good question, because I think with the way that I really approach with like anxiety and panic attacks is being able to learn how to sort of understand what is like your internal threat response going off. Like what is a Mm. real danger versus like a perceived danger? Because a lot of times with panic attacks and what kind of keeps the cycle going is like being afraid of having another panic attack, which is understandable because it feels terrifying to have them. It's awful. It's the worst thing in the world. So sometimes we, what we try to do, and and I've done this myself too, where I was like trying to think of anything and do anything I could to try to make the panic attack go away. Like doing deep breathing can be fantastic, but when you're in the midst of a panic attack, it can be, that sort of goes out the window. Like a lot of those techniques kind of go out the window because we're trying to get rid of our anxiety. But the way you want to approach anxiety and panic attacks is sort of to allow it to happen which sounds like a really strange concept if if no one's heard that before, where it's like, well, why would I allow something horrible to happen? Isn't that just going to make my anxiety or panic attack worse? But in reality, it helps your body be able to calm down on its own because mm-hmm. what we do when we have anxiety and panic attacks is we sort of like unintentionally feed the fear, you know, we're like, oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm dying. Like it, we we sort of like, magnify it through our own fear or yeah no i'm yeah. smiling because i i know that feeling so well because i'm not sure if you're familiar with this book by david barlow mastery of anxiety and panic and the biggest thing for me was learning the science behind it yeah yeah learning about the fight or flight response was like the biggest relief for me knowing why i was getting sensations in my hands or My feet would start to tingle. Why am I breathing heavy? You know, and not just trying to really discover that I just have a very overactive fight or flight trick. And then my, and learning my triggers was a big thing. 
But for me was, like you said, one of the main things for me was actually facing it on head on because I like for you, the impending doom is what it is. We're more afraid of what's going to happen after instead of like actually what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most difficult thing. And like you said, it's hard, like breathing through your mouth for five seconds and then hold it for five and then blow out for three or six or seven. It's very difficult for someone to kind of like get them going. But, you know, I want to get into you saying like a former anxiety sufferer. Do you have anxiety at all anymore now? Okay. So yeah, I'll explain that. And what I mean, because what I mean by that is I still experience anxiety from time to time, but it's not in the same way that I used to experience it before. Like I, and I talk with people about this too, where it's like, if people are saying they're a former anxiety sufferer or they've recovered from their anxiety, it doesn't mean that they never ever experience anxiety. It just means like they know what to do now. And if it shows up, which it can, you know, it, it can show up from time to time if you're a little bit nervous or if you're stressed, right? It it can definitely still show up. So what I mean by that is like, I'm not suffering with my anxiety anymore. Like I would experience anxiety constantly on a day-to-day basis. And now it just, if it does show up, it shows up randomly here and there and it doesn't affect me. It's just, I try to explain to people that anxiety is just a very, normal human response but the problem Mm. becomes when it when it becomes disordered anxiety right where it's like i'm not just experiencing anxiety before a job interview or before an exam or something like that i'm experiencing it constantly and your anxiety and panic is just constantly going off every minute of the day and you never get relief from it so yeah i'm jealous it's listen you you've already been reading the books i there are other books that helped me through it. Oh, drop them. Anything that's going to help me, I, I, I plug whatever you need to plug. And this is where I learned so many of those concepts from of like allowing your anxiety to be there and like all of that. So the one book is Hope and Help for Your Nerves by hope Dr. Therapy. Yeah, hope, hope and Help for Your Nerves. Looking it up right now. It's on Amazon. There Should it is. Anyway. Oh, there. Okay. Dr. Yeah. Therapy. It's, and it's affordable. Book. Yeah, it's a, it's affordable. And it's that book was made, I think, in the 1960s or something like that. But it's she was like the pioneer of all of this. So oh, yeah. her book is really great. If you're somebody who struggles with anxiety and panic attacks, I would recommend that book. Yeah, you can get it for free on Audible. Oh, that. Oh, nice. So if you have a Prime membership, you can get Hope and Help for Your Nerves for free dollars. So That's, go for that. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I'm an audiobook guy myself. Me too. Because uh, if I read a book, I'll read a whole chapter, close the book, and not remember one damn thing that I just read. Oh, yeah. It's just really, it, yeah, it's really bad. So, no, I, I, thank you. And what's another one, if you have one? Yeah, the other one is Dare by Dare. Barry McDonough. Barry McDonough. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I have this book, actually. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read it yet, though. But when I was going through it, my friends were like, yo, get this book. It's so good. I think that was the first book I started off on was Dare. And then. Yeah. yeah and this one is also free if you have Amazon Prime. Oh, perfect. Look at that. All and they have an affordable. App. They have an app, too. Oh, they do? They have an app. Yeah. Very cool. I'm going to so, have to do it. If you're going to have to do no. it. Do you journal still? So I I do like from time to time. Yeah. 
I do. And I do those things like just as a practice, like of, of just something that like helps me sort of relieve stress at the end of the day. Like I still will journal and write things down. I will do things like deep breathing when I need to, if I feel my body kind of tensed up, like I think those things can help just to kind of release tension. But, you know, I think learning those principles of like, what do I do to kind of like get out of this cycle? That's really the most important part. And like you said, that understanding the fight or flight and like how it stays that way and like how to get out of it. That's huge. So how long have you been married now? I've been married since October. This oh, October, good for you. 2022. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now I'm getting married in May. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Do you, or do you, does your husband ever feel like you're psychoanalyzing him? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> he always says that. He always, and like, I'm like, you're I'm psychoanalyzing not. me. Yeah. He says that. Like, I'm, is it hard for you to like take your therapist hat off? Like when you come home, you're just like, like put it off, but you're just like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's okay. Where's so it I'm, coming from? Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's dig a little deeper here. Like what's, yeah, yeah. what's really going on? It can be hard to take it off because there'll be times where I, I mean, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze it. Just, it's interesting. Cause it's like your brain just kind of will go there like to understand what's going on. Mm. But I told him, I'm like, I'm not treating you like my client. Like, you know, it's, it's, different it's just right. different. you're my like, husband i want us to have a good relationship you know what i mean yeah. more than that so i'm gonna analyze you a little bit every once in a while right like why are you getting so mad about this you know yeah. let's <laughs> let's get to the root of it <laughs> how many of your friends just try to get free sessions all the time oh gosh actually my friends don't really it's funny well because a lot of my friends are therapists so oh okay yeah so you guys are just doing psychoanalyzing each other all day yeah <laughs> We just, we just have, you know, we just think, think the same way. So, but no, not really. I think it's more family. We'll kind of joke around sometimes. Family, Yeah. Family's a big one. Yeah. I'm sure other therapists that I've spoken to as well. They're just like, yeah, my brother will just call me and just be like, all right, well, like now it's a two hour session now. Yeah. Now it's like, tell me, what do you think about this? And they'll be like, oh, you got to give me some therapy now and you got to do, you know, so it's, Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself like kind of in public and like overhearing conversations and then like kind of like start doing it there, just like minding your own business, but you're just kind of like, hmm. do you ever have those moments where like you're kind of psychoanalyzing the general public? I have moments like that. I do. I do. It's not all the time though. You know, right. I'm not psychoanalyzing everyone, but I, you know, I have moments where you do that. And like you said, it's sort of like that part turns on, you know, like that, or you put that hat on for a second. You're like, hold on, I got to take that hat off because I'm just trying to enjoy myself right now, or I'm just trying to go grocery shopping. Right. So it's like, if it does happen, I'm like, okay. Well, that's the hardest thing though, kind of about your job is you kind of have to take your work home with you. Like if someone comes in and, and shares like a super traumatic story, like we're all human. Like that's going to, that's going to hit somewhere on us at some point. And that's like, kind of like tough. It's just like, you know, you could be in whole foods and just be like, damn, like that shit was kind of crazy. Like now I'm just sitting here buying like oranges and shit, you know, yeah. like it's like, I'm trying to live my life. And someone just told me the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to them in their lives. Yeah, that happens. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it's hard not to take that stuff home with you. It takes a lot of work to kind of, 
compartmentalize that in in your brain and sort of figuring out a routine to do after after work and after that because it's it can be heavy you know it's it's yeah off and do you guys go through like training for that and do you see a therapist yourself yeah both so you can do training for that and like to sort of avoid burnout because that can happen with a lot of therapists or what's called like compassion fatigue. So compassion fatigue. Ooh, let's go into that. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's like what we, what we're talking about too, or you just like, you really become so burned out from hearing about, you know, it, and then you start like taking on some of what your clients are telling you too. Mm. There's actually something called vicarious trauma which is like when you're constantly Ooh. hearing about the trauma of somebody or other people, and then you start experiencing trauma symptoms too, from just hearing and listening to. Vicarious trauma. Yeah. Never heard of that. That explains a lot too. Cause like, I think that goes into like what people like see on the news, you know, hear like from their friends. It's like, you know, it's uh, every other week. It's like somebody shooting somebody. I know, you know, and and then, you know, vicarious trauma. I never really thought about that. Okay. Yeah. So when you see your therapist, is it a therapist that specializes in therapists? (laughs) And what do they call that guy? I know everyone's like, is there like a top notch, like therapist guy at the top? Is it just like a Dumbledore of therapists? Like this is somebody's therapist. Then whose therapist is their therapist? Then whose therapist is their, like, who is the top honcho guy like yeah, who's who the wizard of oz like that's what it's like you know i've always wondered that it's like who's like the drake of therapists right now right you know like who who's up there who's the president of therapy i know i would love to know that too because <laughs> all the therapists i know also have their own therapists my therapist does not specialize in working with therapists however there i think there are therapists out there who do specifically like work with maybe just therapists so so smug <laughs> so it's just <laughs> i'm on another level guys i'll help you guys out how's yeah. that what like, a jerk i know it's like who yeah who is the top person i don't know there is like there is a a gandalf therapist out there somewhere shout out to them whoever they are but what does your husband do for a living so he works for the government. So Oh wow. Yeah. So no, he needs therapy a lot then. <laughs> right. I'll try to convince him to get <laughs> he needs therapy from me. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, that's why he's like government stuff. I always find it weird, and it's not because it's wrong, but like when people date or marry people in the same field. Yeah. Because I have a couple of friends and like both of their parents are were therapists. And like, I mean, I love my friend, but he was a little weird. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was like one of those things. But like that's gotta be a hard thing too, though, probably, right? Whenever you guys have kids, you know what I mean? How is it this is gonna be so hard probably to just not be like a psychoanalytic mom? I know, yeah. That's true. When I was younger, I wish I was in therapy, to be honest. Yeah. But my dad was like so Italian and my mom was so Puerto Rican that they were just like, no, that, that's what is that? Yeah. Like, you know, like if you start going there, like you were crazy. That, that was the thing. That was like kind of how it was. Was your family kind of like that? Or is your family like, you know, progress? 
Yeah. It, well, I agree with you. Like, I wish I had gone to therapy when I was younger. I wish it was suggested to me when I was younger. But like you said, back then, nobody really talked about it. So I don't think they were against it. I just don't think they like I just don't think they knew about therapy. You know, I think yeah. the older generation, they just didn't really go to therapy that was no. that just wasn't a thing so then when they had kids they were just like what is that and then, you know like we don't do that and it was very like stigmatized you don't talk about it you know no you don't know anyone that goes to therapy and if they do everyone's like oh this this person's in therapy you know it's very rare when you have you ever like treated a whole family without getting specific yeah like one of the first jobs that i had i would i was like an in-home therapist so i would go in oh shit no shit cool yeah that was pretty intense so you would literally go to people's houses and be like all right everyone sit on the couch we're gonna have a chat yeah that whoa what was that like it was really intense that was one of the hardest jobs that i had because and you couldn't always get everyone into the same room like sometimes it was just a mom and a son or something or like, you know, it wasn't always like the whole family and it was pretty intense. Like, I mean, not all the time, but it would get pretty intense because people are in, you know, of course, in the comfort of your home and you're going into the home. So, you know, there was definitely like one or two times where I was definitely afraid for my safety in those. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. It was scary. And you just, you're just supposed to like go into the home, like, all right, just go ahead. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to come to your house and be like, Hey, what do you not like about this person the most? I know. And you're like, you're probably, you're, <laughs> you as a therapist are like triggering to them because they're being most likely mandated to have you come into the home. It's not like they are voluntarily. And it was hard because it was very difficult because the parents didn't want to hear that they, you know, there were things that they could maybe change to help make, you know, everything better. It wasn't like blaming them for everything. It was just like, okay, what role does everyone have in the family system? Like every, every person in, in, in the family plays a role, but it was always like the kid's fault, you know, the kid's always the one, like they're the problem, but really everyone could play a role in it. So that's where things would get like intense. That's gotta be hooked because listen, there's no bigger ego than like a parent's ego. You know, a, a lot of times it's like, don't tell me how to raise my kids. Oh, I know. You know, and then it's just like, all right, well, they're like, you know, the kid's just like this. I'm like, well, the kid's 11. Yeah. He had to learn it somewhere. He's 11. He, he doesn't even know like half of what's going on in his body. So we got to figure out some other stuff that's going on. Anyone ever kick you out of their house? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would get up immediately. I'd be like, all right, see ya. I'm not dealing with this oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not again, not every time. However, when it happened, I was like, all right, I'm leaving. All right. Yeah, I'm out of here. No problem. Because it is, it was tough. You don't want to, you're not trying to blame the parents or saying they're bad parents, but sometimes parents would feel that way or feel like, oh, it's my fault. And it's like, no, it's not your fault. We just have to learn a better way to kind of, everyone has to learn a better way to interact with each other. And that, that was really the goal, but it was just, it was intense. There was a lot of yeah, that's wild trauma and other things going on. And that's kind of like kind of hurt. Like you're like, you know, your ego too, though. You know what I mean? Just being like, damn, like I'm trying to help these people and they, they like won't let me help. 
You know, yeah. I, I, for you, it's probably like another big thing as well, too. Like seeing a patient have a breakthrough has to be just as amazing feeling for you as it is for them. It is. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't even imagine what that feels like to like sensei someone through something that's controlling their entire life. That That's very commendable. It's a very, very admirable thing to be able to do that for someone. Yeah. It feels really good when that happens because being able to see someone get to a better place and be able to re- realize something, recognize something, like be able to make huge changes in their life. It's just, and knowing like they, they put in the hard work for it. They, they did the work, you know, when you're a therapist, you can only do so much, right? It's like, right. a lot of it's homework. I tell people all the time, yeah. most of it's homework. Right. So it's like those big changes outside of the therapy room or outside of the session. When someone's doing that, it's like, it's huge when they can just get to a better place, feel better about themselves. It's just amazing to see that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Would you say that like all generalized anxiety is treatable? I believe that it is. I do. I do as well. I just, there's enough science out there proving that we could find a way to, to treat this. I think it's just, it's almost like anything else though. The quicker you get it treated, the easier it's going to be to kind of get a handle on it. That's the thing, because anxiety can be very habit forming. Yes. Yeah. Understanding the habits. How did I fall into this cycle, this habit of like worrying or doing this or that? And then how do I get myself out of it? Because it's really about changing a lot of those patterns. And if you can change the patterns, you can get to a much better place. I think it's very treatable. It's very treatable. And I know that there's some people out there saying like, no, you're going to, you know, you're going to suffer from it for the rest of your life, but that's not true. It doesn't mean you'll never experience anxiety, but are you going to experience like generalized anxiety disorder? Are you going to, you know, panic disorder? Are you going to meet the criteria for a diagnosis? No, you can absolutely get to a a place where you experience anxiety from time to time, but that doesn't mean that it's like a forever thing where it's constantly, you're constantly feeling anxious. It's just, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Cause I think in like the social media era too, like we're, we all try to like label ourselves as stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, you see a lot of people like I have the, my biggest thing is, is like, I'll have friends be like, yo, like I'm so OCD. And I'm like, well, did you get a diagnosis or are you just saying that? Exactly. And then, they'll, you know, I'm like, dude, if you really think you're OCD, you need to go get a diagnosis because that, that you can get that treated and like live a better life. You know what I mean? So like, it's tough. It's tough. The social media errors has made everybody anxious. It's made everybody panicky. And, you know, it's uh, the pandemic didn't help at all either. So like I tell people all the time, I said, if you're saying this, you got to go try and find treatment then because you're not going to be able to treat it yourself. I tell people all the time, you can't just do it on your own. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I know when it's like OCD, it's like, if somebody has OCD, they're not using it as like an adjective because it's no. not like some quirky little fun thing. It's really debilitating to suffer from OCD. I mean, you know, and not just OCD, other disorders as well, but it's like, yeah, you, you got to get it checked out. You got to get assessed for it. And OCD is one of those things that gets underdiagnosed so much so oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it just gets confused with other you know anxiety disorders but really people can suffer for a long time with ocd i mean oh yeah 
for sure. Does anybody in your family like suffer from anxiety or or panic? Because you were saying like sometimes they'll reach out and be like, hey, kind of got this thing going on over here. <laughs> well, no one is diagnosed with anxiety. Right. But I suspect there might be some. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. You got a couple. Of... No, 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 no. It's fine. Hey, guys. If you're in the Ostro family, I tried to put the Philly accent on it. Yep. If you're in the Ostro family and you hear this, maybe maybe you want to get checked out a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's of, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing wrong with that. Because that's what I always think. Because like even people in my family, because they know that, you know, I do this show, I'm talking to therapists all the time. I have my own therapist. You know, it's something that's become part of my social media footprint, you know, and it's a big part of my life. But they'll ask me like, yo, like, what's up? Like, so like when you feel this, like, what's up with that? Like, I'm like, dude, like I had to go to therapy for a long time to figure this stuff out. I'm not going to be able to articulate it the way like a therapist can articulate it to me. I feel that I wish I had a sister or something, though, in the field because I would bother them all the time. That's 100 percent what I would do. Right. I'm sure that's got to be hard for you trying to, you know, be yourself. And do you have brothers, sisters? So I have one sister. I have an older sister. She's four oh, okay. years older than me. All right. Yeah. yeah. Older sisters are a little easier. Yeah. Boys are difficult. Yeah. We're annoying. It's fun. Well, we, well, growing up, we were, we, we got into it, but we are in a much better place now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah Cause good. I, you know, but we talk all the time. Yeah. And we both open up to each other about different things that we're struggling with. So it's just nice to have that. So I just have one. Yeah. Sister. I don't have any brothers. So mom and dad yeah mm-hmm. there are so is everyone like still like in the philly area so no my sister's in virginia and then my parents my parents yeah they're still in the philly area they're like dream. go birds right. go birds go birds go birds but before i let you go first i wanted to thank you for uh coming on and spending some time with us if you can give any word of advice for the listeners right now they're you know listening to this episode about you know anxiety and and panic disorder what are some of the steps that you would recommend for them to get on the right track to getting better yeah i mean if you're able to go to therapy or see a therapist especially someone who might specialize in anxiety disorders panic disorder i think that would be great and i know not everyone has access to a therapist so if I would really recommend if you're just starting out, start reading those books. Like that's exactly what I did. I started reading and trying to learn and understand it because if you can first learn and understand your anxiety better, that's like the first big hurdle of it all is first understanding what's happening. Why is it kind of happening? And then you can kind of, and a lot through those books, it'll help you understand like, how do I sort of get out of that? cycle or start taking steps to do that. Mm. And I, I mean, I listened to a lot of YouTube videos as well that were helpful that talked about anxiety and like what to do and coping mechanisms are really great and they have their time in their place. But if you can understand how to change those underlying behaviors that kind of keep you stuck, that's the biggest piece of it. You know, those icing on the cake, but if you understand how to get out of it and what's happening to you and, and how to kind of get unstuck and not working on not fighting or resisting the panic, which is mm. 
easier said than done. I will be the first to say that it is much harder. <laughs> it's easier to say, no, no, for sure. It, but if you can learn how to do that, then you'll be well on your way. I want to talk to you too about the social media. Has social media, again, though, for someone like you that's licensed, right? Talking 190K on the top. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, that's also in a way like social media, like, we always talk about like the negative sides of it and how it can be you know, helping people. But when you have people now with licenses, you're out there giving free tips. There's stuff on there. And I really think that in a sense, those social media, especially when it comes to licensed professionals, have been able to help a lot of people who don't have the necessary tools to get into a therapist's office or haven't taken the necessary steps to get into a therapist's office. Yeah, exactly. It, it can be really, really helpful for people to like learn about themselves, understand themselves better and getting those tools and strategies. And even though TikTok, it doesn't replace therapy, it's still like when you have licensed therapists on there providing information, it can really be helpful to use on your way, whether you have a therapist or not, like you can definitely use a lot of that stuff. No, for sure. My amazing producer always sends me like links to, uh, whoever that we're going to have on the show. I was looking at your TikTok. I'm looking at it now. And it's a, it's a lot of relatable stuff. And if it's yeah. coming from someone that went to school for eight years about it, might want to check it out, guys. 190K on the talk doesn't lie. 50K on Instagram also doesn't lie. And that's just what I'm, that's what people got to understand is that there, there are some things out there to get you in the right mindset and also put you in the right direction. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the inner growth counseling. So that's the name of my private practice I that I started last year, actually, like about a year ago. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So I started it last year. And that's around the time that I started my TikTok. Oh, okay. Too. So I was like, all right, let's see what happens. Like, you know, I, I saw their therapist posting on social media. I was like, all right, let me just see what happens. And then, yeah. So the inner growth counseling is my therapy practice. So it's just me. Good for you. Good for you. I love to see young people out there just making a difference in the world. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Every time I have someone on this show, they're so much cooler than me. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, everyone's so cool. So look at all this stuff going on. Good for you. The last question I ask everybody is, are you happy today? Yeah, I am. That's Love a good it. question. If you want to, just let everybody know where they could find you on the internet, where they could find your practice, and you know, anything else you want to plug, plug away. Yeah. So TikTok, you can find me at your anxious therapist, all one word. On Instagram, it's your.anxious.therapist. And if you are interested in therapy, I provide therapy to people who are living in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Because as we talked about earlier, the licensing <laughs> rules are ridiculous. But Pennsylvania, New Jersey, I do have some openings in my schedule. So if you struggle with anxiety or panic attacks, you can find me on my website, Inner Growth Counseling. Or you can just find me on social media and I have the link there. There you go. All right. <laughs> Listen, guys. There it is. It's all there for you. If you yeah. want to get out there. Don't be afraid. Let's all start our journey together. Uh, if you hear this episode, I always tell people watching an episode like this is already the first step. So be proud of yourself. You got through the episode. You're already on the right track. Listen, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. 
And uh, I hope we get to do it again. If there's anything we could ever do for you here over at Off the Cuff, we would love to be able to help you out. But guys, go and follow the show at 101OTC on Instagram and wherever podcasts are available. You could find us. And yeah, go uh, check out your anxious therapist on TikTok and then your dot anxious dot therapist on Instagram and innergrowthcounseling.com. Check it out. So thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ha!